This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Real wolves are social creatures. They need and crave a group to belong to in order to survive and thrive. The same is true for your Minnesota Timberwolves. Now join host Henry Lake as he gets an inside look with another prominent member of the club. This is Life in the Pack. Welcome to Life in the Pack podcast with me, Henry Lake, your host, as I chat with coaches, players, and members of the Minnesota Timberwolves organization for the 2021-22 season. And our first ever episode features Timberwolves head coach, Chris Finch. Coach Finch, welcome to Life in the Pack. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it. How you been, man? I've been good. Really excited and ready to go. Um, been an unbelievable preseason, better than we expected, better than we could hope for. Guys came in with the right attitude, the right mindset, and great shape. Um, so now, you know, now it's down to us to go put it into action. That's awesome. Well, one of the things that I want to do is get to know you a little bit better because mm-hmm. uh, you came in last season, and we saw each other a couple of times here in the in the in the uh, in the in the summertime. Right. You know, we talked restaurants a little bit, took yeah. in a Twins game, went to FEMA's, but uh, we just want to dig into your background just a little bit more. For sure. So now, help me out. Born in Cambridge, Ohio, right? Yes. But raised in Pennsylvania? Yeah, so I basically lived in Ohio for about a year, a year and a half of my life. Okay. And then moved to Reading, Pennsylvania, which is about 45 miles northwest of Philadelphia. Um, and kind of in the where suburban Philly ends and Amish country begins. I got you, I got you. All right, so, so tell me a little bit about a young Chris Finch's upbringing. Because we always get these stories, Coach, about a guy being a son of a coach or mm-hmm. a young kid growing up in a single-parent household. What, what is your story? Yeah, I mean, uh, neither of those. <laughs> I grew up in uh, middle-class America. I uh, went to a great high school that valued sports. We, three sport athletes were the thing. Everybody played it. I tried to bo- model my brother, um, who was five years older than me. I wanted to do everything he did. Mm. Uh, Reading was just a really, really, really nice place to grow up. And um, we had, I was always fortunate to have really good coaching at youth levels, high school levels, even into college. And it just it sparked my love for the game of basketball, but I also loved all sports. And, you know, a big Philadelphia sports fan growing up, being right there on the doorstep. And it was a good time to grow up. I witnessed the Phillies win the World Series in 80, the 
the Sixers won in '83. The Flyers won in well, late, late fo, '70s. Fo, fo. Yeah, that fo, was fo, 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 fo. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. And um, I was the Andrew Tony guy back then too. Like that was one of my guys. Like Dr. J was everybody's guy, right? right. But yeah. Andrew Tony was the man too. Mo for Cheeks. sure. That yep. was a great team. I used to. I mean, I worked for five years alongside Kevin McHale in Houston, and I just tell him all the time. I mean, I hated you growing up. I used to, <laughs> I used to go down to the old Spectrum and boo you <laughs> on Sunday afternoons. You were cheap and dirty. Oh man. All right, so so man, you liked a bunch of different sports. What kind of basketball player were you? Were you a scrappy guy? Were you a sharpshooter? Describe your game. Yeah, so I was. I mean, I played. You know, in high school, I probably played like power forward position, uh, just due to size, and was lucky to play with a lot of really good, you know, players that we all grew up playing together. I was more, I guess, point forward. If you really could, you know, describe my game, I was more of a playmaker. I could score in a lot of different ways, but. I wasn't particularly great at any of them. Played hard, played defense, was, you know, passed a lot. Um, and, you know, just kind of grew from there. And when I went to college, I moved more to the small forward and then eventually to the off guard. But, again, kept those same attributes. I was way more playmaking wing and defender and occasional shot maker. Uh, and a lot of my scoring records that I've had in college or, or uh or, or, or high school were mostly longevity. I mean, I started as a freshman in both places, um, so I played a lot of games and was able to you know, create a lot of, of scoring, scoring marks. But, but mostly I enjoyed all the other facets of the game more than I did scoring. Yeah, we're talking to Minnesota Timberwolves head coach Chris Finch here on the Life in the Pack podcast. First episode, first edition of it here for the 2021-2022 season. So... I am a basketball geek. I am a basketball nerd. So I'm going to run a few names past you. Jeff Lebo, Pooh Richardson, Billy Owens, Billy McCaffrey. What do those names mean to you? Yeah, well, they're all Pennsylvania guys. <laughs> <laughs> so Billy and I were the exact same graduating class. You know, we played um, our, our time together. We lost to Billy in the district semifinals. We were undefeated at the time. He played for Jeff Lebo's dad at Carlisle. High school, they were dominant. They had won like four state championships when Jeff was a, I was a freshman when Jeff was a senior, and then Billy was also a freshman on that team and won a state championship. Billy had a brother who went to Syracuse to be running back. They actually gave him um, Jim Brown's number, really, to go there and play running back. That's how I mean that that's how much uh, athleticism was in that family. Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. um, uh, McCaffrey, I played some against, like kind of. Would have been precursor to AAU ball. Yep. Um, never played against Pooh, and I never actually played against Jeff, but I'd, I saw him play. Because they were a little bit older than you, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, I mean, Pennsylvania is a great sports uh, state. It produces a lot of football and basketball players. Well, um, the reason why I, I picked those names specifically, and this is the geek in me, yeah. back when I was a younger kid, me and a couple of my buddies, we always craved getting the Sports Illustrated or the Jet Magazine or whatever, and we would go through and we would look at the McDonald's All-American players, right? Mm -hmm. And all those names I just gave you were all McDonald's All-American guys from different years, what, 85 yeah, yeah. with Pooh and Jeff uh, to Billy Owens, which is 88, and then McCaffrey was 89. Yeah. And so we just love going through because it, it's always fun to look back at those games, right, 
and see who is going to go where. So then we're talking trash to each other. Oh, yeah, Michigan's going to have the squad this year, or Kentucky's going to have the squad. So Pennsylvania definitely pumping out some good players. And you went to Franklin and Marshall, right? Yeah. Okay, so after you graduated from Franklin and Marshall, you played a few years overseas, mm-hmm. and eventually you had great success coaching overseas. Mm-hmm. How drastically different is hoops across the water, and what did you learn about the game during that time? Um, the hoops across the water is it can vary differently from every country you know they all have a little bit their own style like Mm -hmm. germany's pretty pretty rugged and it can be very kind of system driven the spanish game is more open a little bit faster and freer um you know the former yugoslavian countries serbia croatia you know montenegro those they all play like this kind of like what we see now skilled big stretching the floor so it's, it's very different i learned all the different styles of play there um, and also levels, of course. You know, some countries uh, far more talent than others just because of the money in the game. And um, so it was awesome just to take this all in, you know, and be able to play against these different styles and the different coaches, way different coaching approaches out there. Um, and then, what, you know, what I, what I was able to, like, kind of mesh all that together when I was formulating, like, my philosophy on the game was somewhat American – but with this new kind of approach for the European game uh, at the time, like both games were kind of exchanging ideas faster and more readily than ever before. Uh, and I kind of was kind of just fortunate enough to be at that crossroads, creating a style of play, which was fast, up-tempo, shoot a lot of threes, um, and but using like a lot of NBA simple triggers rather than long European sets to do so. Mm-hmm. And so like that kind of cocktail was basically been my secret sauce because the Rockets were looking for that. Um, unbeknownst to me, they were looking for somebody who can kind of bring these styles together and put them in play in an experimental way in the G League. Um, and that's, that was my big break. And it really came down to just being in Europe at the right time when these games were kind of cross-pollinating. Overseas and here in the States, who would you say was your first mentor or coach that really got you that spark for coaching? Yeah, I get asked this question a lot. Um, and, you know, I don't really have one. Um, mm. Growing up, I was a big, like, Indiana fan, Bobby Knight. I, like, loved the motion basketball. Like like, loved the unpredictability of it. But yet, when you started to study it, it had structure and purpose. So I, I like that type of basketball that was very similar to the basketball we played in college I mean my coach was won 970 games in his career before he retired we had three plays you know and he always only ever had three plays but he taught his players how to play um, in a motion system so so I, I was really always lucky to play for these great coaches and like so I didn't really have like a coaching person that I'm that I felt like I was trying to mimic or um, idolize what helped me was being able to be a head coach at the young age of 27 moving right from playing to coach and I worked in an organization who gave me great support and allowed me to try and fail and try and succeed and try and grow and all the things that you need to do when you're young at anything that you're doing Um, not being afraid to fail learn and then have support to, to kind of get back at it. And we had a lot of success when I was in Britain, when I, you know, six years. So, you know, it was, something was working. We had good players and we had a good, good approach. Uh, but what I had most of all was an environment that allowed me to kind of like figure out who I was as a coach and 
that discovery probably helped me more than any kind of mentoring that I could have done or taken on. Yeah, Henry Lake and Minnesota Timberwolves head coach Chris Finch kicking off the uh, the season here with the Life in the Pack podcast. So if Chris Finch doesn't do well overseas coaching and he gets out of the basketball world, what is his profession? <laughs> what is next? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I never really thought about anything else. I mean, I I took the law exams, but I did terrible because I didn't really care. <laughs> um, I I I thought at one point I wanted to be in the CIA or FBI. Um, which would have always been kind of fascinating to me. But again, um, basketball, I, I wouldn't say I was like single-minded in my approach to get where I am now. It wasn't like that. I just wanted to stay involved in the game. I didn't care at what level it was. Um, you know, I've always thought maybe of being a college professor or some sort of, you know, teaching, which is kind of what we're doing anyway in coaching. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if it wasn't that, I was – Gonna run or run or own, own my own business where I can be my own boss in some capacity, no matter how big or small. So, I, I wouldn't say there wasn't a fallback plan, but I never really thought about it, you know, anything else. And I made a lot of decisions in life, like we all do, yep. that are, you know, sacrifices. I was in Europe for 17 years. Um, you know, it cost me time away from friends and family, but I, I wouldn't change that experience for anything in the world. All right, be straight with me, Coach Finch. Have you ever rocked a mullet? <laughs> no, I've never. I mean, I've had my hair a little bit longer, but I've never had a mullet. You got close. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to acknowledge it got really close. I went into the archives, right? 2010, I saw some footage, D-League interview with Jonathan Giovanni from Draft Express. Yeah. You guys were, yeah, it was it was a D-League, it was a game, yeah. and he's interviewing you, and you were with uh, Real Grand then. Yeah. And, man, you got really close to the mullet. Yeah, I mean, listen, when I first moved back, that was my first year back. I, I hadn't found anyone to be able to cut my hair yet. You know? <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. All right, so you came to the Timberwolves in the middle of a season last year. So fans, they're still getting to know you as well. I found this quote from you back in 2011. And you said, I started coaching early, and I've done a lot through trial and error. I have beliefs that I've followed through on and tried different things along the way. So I'm not afraid to try new things. And the older I've gotten, especially over the past five years, I've really been open to new ideas. That was back in 2011 interview via rockets.com. Yeah. You are known as an innovator of offense. Now with that reputation, does that put more pressure on you at all? Not really. Um, I mean, the, the innovator of offense thing is basically just a benefactor of a style of play that we, we came and came on to in Houston, you know. Um, and it, it was, as I alluded to before, it was something that we were already doing in Europe, and there wasn't a lot of science behind it. Um, I, was, um, I was in Belgium at the time. Uh, even in England, we, I kind of never had the biggest budget. We would play against European competition that had – you know, better players, bigger players. And I thought, how can I compete? So if I got faster and smaller and quicker and shot more, and I could, these were guys I could afford. You know, I couldn't afford a really skilled seven-footer, mm-hmm. but I could af- afford, like, a really dynamic six-seven center and a lot of shooting around that. And, and it just kind of, you know, started to work. And I didn't really understand the math between behind efficient offense until I got to Houston and they were it was like my aha moment when they were told me and 
this was basketball analytics, and it, you know they were at the forefront of, at the time with Daryl and Sam Hinkie and Gerson and Sachin was there, like a lot. Monty McNair, who is now the GM at, in Sacramento, uh, all these guys like geniuses when it comes to like efficient basketball. So I was already doing what they wanted to do, and now we just knew why it worked, um, and that's kind of how the reputation built. I mean, before that, I was. I had head coach, so I coached both sides of the ball. And when I got to Houston, they said, I want you to focus on offense. And we just took a minimalist approach to what we do. And nothing we do is new or different, but um, maybe just kind of the way we hang it all together is different. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about this team. And I want to start with Carl Anthony Towns. The last two years have been really difficult uh, between his mother, Jackie, passing away during the pandemic and his injury plague season last year. But in seeing him at Media Day, in uh, watching the preseason games, um, I, know, I know it's cliche to say this, but honestly, he looks like he's in the best shape of his life. How would you describe where he is health-wise and maybe emotionally these days? Yeah, I think he's extremely strong in both areas. I mean, we, we can't even, I can't even imagine what the last two years have been like for Cat. I mean, it's incredible that he was able to go out and perform and um and care and he's been really supportive and welcoming of me um and highly coachable bought in has done everything we've asked and he had a really really good summer his body looks great as you mentioned and his preseason has been good like he's he's like right on pace to start the season right where he wants to um I think he's got another two to three levels in him that we'll start we'll see right out of the gate here and he's excited. I know he wants to get back to that NBA all-star level. For me, he's a top five player in the league when it comes to skill. Um, you know, we just have to keep putting him in the shop window so he can keep accentuating what he does best, which is pretty much everything on the offensive end. And his defense has been really impactful this uh, off uh, preseason as well. What is the best type of forward that can bring out the best in Cat? One that can shoot it? Or one with great post moves in the paint that likes to attack there. Yeah, it, I mean, that's the luxury of having Cat is that you can really play anybody or any type of uh, player alongside of them. You know, you want a rugged guy to take a defensive matchup and clean up on the glass. Do you want a, you know, a skilled guy that allows him to operate a little more freely down in the post? Or do you want, like, you know, a traditional five even who's you know, more of your rim protector and Cat moves to kind of your more of your you know power forward playing at all, almost exclusively on the perimeter at that point. So you have all these different like when you have a guy like him, it's 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 a complete luxury, and you have these options. And we have a bit of everything um, we just alluded to in our roster right now. So our challenge is to be able to like keep cycling different guys next to him to change the look on what's happening on the floor. Anthony Edwards just isn't an outstanding young basketball player, but he's also a unique personality, right? You know, he's got box office written all over him. How does one cultivate his growth within the the organization with, with the outside noise that sometimes gets created and then you have a circus around a guy? Yeah, I mean, we just we got to keep, you know, keep it real, keep it right in front of him. Um, you know, he's very coachable. He wants to do whatever it is we're asking um, that's what we love about him, you know, and that that was really kind of what was his success last year towards the end of the season was just figuring out a little bit more like, hey, I'm really good at these things. Like, let me do more of these things. And I think that's knowing who you are as a player um, is part of every young player's discovery. Those 
lot, they come into the you know they may have played different roles. They may have have maybe maybe overvalued some of their skill sets. They may not want to buy into what they need to do initially as a young player before they're able to grow their game. Like he's not that. Like he's been able to figure out who he is really quick in the process. He did that you know shortly after um, the All Star break, and he put that forty point game on Phoenix and. You could just see it, and like, okay, this is this is what I can be in the league. And his confidence is real. His personality is real. Um, his teammates, uh, you know, really embrace and enjoy him. And um, you know, he just got to keep putting the work in. Like, he's still got to get routine. He's still got to get habits. He's still got to get all these things that every young player has to get to mm-hmm. grow into a, a real pro. And then they can go to the next level of their development. What impresses you more about him, though? Is it his offensive skill set or his athleticism? Yeah, I think it's his, his offensive skill set. I think like his athleticism is you know kind of breathtaking at times, uh, but he's also extremely skilled. Uh, he he had a really good summer working on his shot that looks good right now. Uh, his playmaking has taken another. Uh, step forward in terms of reading the floor, you know he he's 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 uh com, you know he's he's working himself into a complete player right now, and it's not just relied on his athleticism. In fact, you know his skill probably has gone to a level where he's relying on it a little less right now, mm-hmm. and we need to get him back to doing a little bit more of it because he's still a handful when he's you know coming downhill on you. You know I'm excited about the potential of another young player, and that's Jade McDaniel's. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's quiet. He's got a bunch of confidence. I, I know that many coaches or many people in the league, they hate comparisons, but, but who would you compare him to? And I ask it because the first thing that fans saw from him last year was his defense. But by the end of the season, they started to see the offense coming along mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. I mean, he to me, he's a young Scottie Pippen. He has playmaking capabilities. He's a defensive-minded wing. Um, he can make uh, spot shots. I mean, Pippen is obviously a, a, a you know a, a flattering comparison. He's certainly not there yet, but like his game has all those attributes. You know, when when Scotty first came into the league, he wasn't the complete player. He was basically what we see in Jaden right now. Uh, we think his floor is really high. You know, like we think at the end of the day, he's going to be no less than this, whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, so um, and his ceiling is obviously above that, but. He has an unbelievable foundation of fundamentals, which allows us to layer skill on top of it. And, and and our challenge is, like, how do we get him more usage? Like, we have a lot of high-usage guys, particularly in that starting lineup. How do we get him in more high-usage situations? And it may not happen for him a ton this season, uh, but, you know, he's still – He's still a big, big player for us and really important for us, and particularly in the way that he complements that first unit. All right, give me something about Patrick Beverly that you want fans to know about him that they might not know. Because the perception of him is great defender, extremely intense competitor, but very annoying and prone to get technical <laughs> fouls. <laughs> I mean, all that's true, but he, I mean, he's, one, he's a classic example of one of those guys that you hate when he's on. Every on on you know, on the opposition, but you love him when he's on your team. I mean, PB uh, as we call him, he's um, he's he's extremely intelligent basketball player. He understands both sides of the ball. He's a far better offensive player than he gets credit for. Um, he's really done a great job of adding things to his game that he didn't have. I was lucky enough to be in Houston when we brought him from Russia. 
Uh, so I saw a lot of his early growth and development. He he plays off the catch. He has really worked himself into a, a good shooter. Um, and what we really love about him, and I'm not sure this is something that people don't already know, is that you know the day he came into the league, um, he was not going to be denied his opportunity. He was not going to be denied his ability to stay. We were actually had sent him to the G League, D League at the time. But he only he stayed down for two games, and we brought him right back up, and we we played him, and he never went back down. And he, that chip he has on his shoulder, or had on his shoulder when he came in 2011, is the same chip he plays with right now. And um, it's it's part of what's driving us right in camp. I mean, he, he's hungry to you know to to make this team a winner, and those guys are hungry to change the change their fortunes as well. So. Okay, let me take a step back for for a minute. And I know that you love the fans. I mean, I love the fans. I mean, I consider myself um, partially a fan, right? Because I grew yeah. up on the Wolves and all that stuff. You know, fans back in the arenas and stadiums, you know, full. Man, it, it just seems to me like that is setting up for not only just loving the game even more, getting back to that dynamic, right? But it also enhancing the experience for a guy like Anthony Edwards. Like, uh, he seems to me, and I know that all players feed off of the energy, but somebody like that—that's—that's that's relatively new to the NBA game. Still, it, it to me, it seems like it would take him to another level. Yeah, I mean, we we forget like these guys played their rookie season with with zero fans. Like mm-hmm. there was no catalyst for that, you know. And when you're in a eighty game schedule or whatever it was last year, seventy two game schedule, like there was it was tough last year sometimes to find that extra motivation and you think uh, just because you're a pro player that you're going to have it well you might have it but you may only have 70% in the tank and how do you go and get that reserve and that's the fans that's the energy that's the environment and you know i'm excited for the fans to be able to watch anthony just as much as i am for anthony to be able to experience the fans um you know between anthony and patrick and um you know these guys are going to be they're going to have deep connection with our fans right away, you know, because they, they're guys. Pe- people like to watch people who relate to them and play hard and play the right way. I think we have a roster full of guys that do that. Winding down the uh, the opening edition of Life in the Pack podcast. I'm your host Henry Lake, and I'm with head coach Chris Finch of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, uh, let's get back to you for a second. What is something that um, in your time here in Minnesota that you have not had a chance to partake in that you're looking forward to doing? Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I mean, I got out to Lake Minnetonka a couple times, but I would like to get out, you know, a little bit more up upstate, a little bit more remote, and mm-hmm. and uh, get out on some of those lakes and in the wilderness. There, I was able to sneak away to the North Shore last weekend for a night. Nice, um, and that was nice. But yeah, like um, kind of. And maybe fish some of those lakes up north in the summer. I think that's kind of what I – everything else, you know, I mean, I love living here. People have been super warm and welcoming. You're um, a foodie like me. Yeah, yeah, We've exactly. talked restaurants before. We have, and <laughs> I'm still looking forward to kind of uh, experiencing more places. And, you know, once – I always say this, once life settled down, but it never seems to settle down. <laughs> and yeah. Like, we'll get out. But I live, like, right downtown, and I love it. Um close to the facilities. I went to a bunch of Twins games. 
Uh, got a great feel for the city. The weather this summer was was unbelievable. I mean, I know a lot of people were complaining that it was hot, but when being in Texas, Louisiana, and Florida for the hey, last year. I like it. The hotter the better, <laughs> yeah, Chris. Yeah. I mean, the, the hotter the better for me at least. Hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> we, we know the we know the alternative is just around the corner. Exactly. So. All right, so let, let's go rapid fire here. These yeah. are just some random questions. Bagel or donut? Uh, donut. Definitely donut. Yeah, that's that's the right call there. All right, uh, this is a workout question. Yeah. Peloton bike or treadmill runner? Uh, neither. I'm not a workout guy, but if <sighs> I had to, I would probably take Peloton bike. Really? Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. If you had to pick one of the Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm a walk. I walk, but I need to start to do something. So Peloton is probably more where I'm at. Okay. All right. Uh, your favorite James Bond? Oh, uh, Roger Moore. Oh, Roger Moore. You're a Roger Moore guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, last television series you binge watch or what are you watching now? Uh, last one I binged watched was Mind Hunters. I don't mm. know. So yeah, it was. Uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's a. It's about the formation of the uh, serial killer profile unit within the FBI, mm. um, based on true true events. Uh, it was quite fascinating. That's pretty awesome. I'm about to check that out. And the last one for you: pineapple topping on pizza, acceptable or not? Completely unacceptable. What? Oh, coach, you're killing me. It's like my favorite. What's a, what, what, Why are you anti? Now, I know that there are some people that, that are, it, it's almost like a 50-50 split. Like yeah. some people are like, yes, I'm all in. And then others are like, no, no, you just can't do it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not a mix in a sweet and savory guy like that. Unless it's peanut butter and jelly, that's somehow the exception. <laughs> okay. But I think what annoys me about the pineapple is it, why, just because there's a pineapple on it, we have to call it Hawaiian? I mean... <laughs> That, I, hear you. I don't get that part either. So, but no, um, probably steer clear of that. Yeah, uh, coach. In all seriousness, can, you know, congratulations on the gig. We look forward to year number two of the Chris Finch era here with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Truly appreciate you, and uh, good luck this season. Thanks, Henry. Appreciate you having me on. All right, take care. Thanks. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 